If you're listening to this episode on the day it was released, congratulations. That means you still have time to register for tomorrow's live YMYW webinar happening at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Once again, Joe and Big Al will be answering your money questions live on camera for free and just for YMYW listeners. Sign up in the podcast show notes. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, we're talking all about Roth rules, contribution rules, withdrawal rules, safe harbor rules, pro rata and aggregation rules. Joe and Big Al will explain them and how they apply to both traditional retirement plans and to accounts like SEP IRAs and thrift savings plans. Plus, the fellows break down the small cap, mid cap, large cap, value and growth asset classes. And we wrap up with a giant derail about getting a haircut. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We got David from NYC. He writes in, hi, all. I have a question about paying estimated federal income taxes in the safe harbor rule. Uh, my situation is brief. As he writes us a full page. <laughs> One, two, three paragraphs. Um, I'm retired in getting Social Security, 85% of which is taxable, and my wife is still working. With those two income streams, plus cap gains, dividend distributions, and interest minus deductions, our taxable income was about $130,000, so we're in the 22% tax bracket. For 2020, because during the first three months of this year, I did a little over $20,000 conversion, almost all fully taxable due to the pro rata rule. And because I expect much larger capital gain distributions from some actively managed mutual funds in our taxable account, thanks to the volatility this year and the ongoing outflows, our taxable income should end up just about at the top of the 22% tax bracket or a tiny bit above um, at 171000 and some change. Okay. Based on my wife's pay stubs, it's easy to figure out roughly what her 20 20 federal withholdings will be. If the safe harbor for our tax liability for 2020 is paying at least 110% of the 2019 tax, it seems the estimated tax would be a simple calculation of the difference between 110% times 2019 tax minus projected 2020 federal withholding, paid equally over four quarters. But what if those cap gain distributions are much higher than I expect and taxable income ends up closer to 190. In some years like this, distributions have been ridiculously high. That's why I'm trying to transition out of active funds. Am I still protected against an IRS penalty by relying on that simple formula? Uh, by the way, I have New York State and city income taxes uh, to worry about too, but I'll leave those aside for now. Hope I provided enough info to get your sage advice. I thought I was going to say sag. <laughs> sage. Sage. We're sage. Sage advisors. Thanks. I've been listening to your podcast for a year or so now, and I always find it informative and fun. Well, thank you, David, from NYC. Hopefully you're safe in the epicenter. All right. Well, let's, uh, we'll break this down a little bit. So what David is saying is he thinks his income tax will be higher this year because of his Roth conversion and maybe higher capital gains taxes. So he's wondering if he can rely on that, that rule that we've talked about, which is to base your estimated payments or, and or withholdings on last year's tax. And so the rule is pretty simple. You take last year's tax, and if you have enough in withholdings, you're fine. Now, if your income is over 150,000, which it appears that David's is based upon his taxable income numbers, then uh, you have to take it times 110%. So what that means is, let's just say your taxes are $20,000 times 110%. So $22,000 is your number. If your withholding is $15,000, just to make up a number. So you're short $7,000. David, what you said is exactly right. You take that $7,000 divided by four quarterly payments, and that's what you make over the rest of the year. That's regardless of your capital gains. Your, your capital gains could be $2 million. It doesn't matter. As long as you paid in 110% of last year's tax, you're covered. Now, certainly you do owe the tax on April 15th of next year. So be ready for that big liability, but you don't necessarily have to pay it early. So the estimated taxes is always, if it's over um, 
$150,000 of income, taxable income or adjusted gross? Uh, adjusted gross. So then if, as long as they pay 110% of last year's, yes, and they could have triple the income this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. As long as they pay 110% and yeah. they pay the tax due on April 15th, they're right. good. And so the IRS doesn't care if it's a withholding or an estimated payment. They're indifferent. That's why you look at those together. So you take the 110% times your tax, that's your number. Then you look at what your expected withholding is. If your withholding is more than 110% of your tax, you're done, right? If your withholding is less than 110% of your tax, then you take the difference and divide it by four and pay the, that in quarterly payments. The only exception to that is if your taxes are actually going down as opposed to going up, right? If you're, so in other words, if 2020, your taxes will be lower than 2019, now you can base it on the current year as long as you're paying 90% of the current year. But I almost hate to say that rule because people get too confused, but, but that's only when your taxes are lower for the current year. So what's the deal like when so people are getting penalized because certain income shows up at certain parts of the year? Oh, that's a good point. That's, that, that is true. So let's say you do your Roth conversion now. So we're recording this in, in May, right? So your next estimated payment in May is June 15th. But what if you just did it? Then you didn't know about it on April 15th. Then you just fill out the, the IRS penalty form next year with your return. It's form 2210. And you use what's called the annualization method to show when your income spiked. And so basically, if you did a conversion now, then you'd basically have to make a double estimated payment in June as a catch-up, but, but you'll still avoid penalty. Okay, and then you'll make a regular estimated payment for the third and fourth quarter. That makes sense? Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my tip for you. Uh, after we're done, rewind the tape, listen to it slowly. <laughs> because before you said you could just divide it by four. Well, yeah, you can. But if you're into the year and you've already missed the first payment, you have to have a little bit different method. That's why this gets so confusing, yeah. right? Okay. Then when I throw in the 90% of this year's tax, people stop listening, <laughs> including you. <laughs> yes. So now people are getting kind of creative with the names here. I've noticed that. I like it. I don't know if I care for it that much. I like it. So we got Elwood Blues. That's perfect. You know, the crazy thing is he's from Missouri, not Chicago. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maybe Elwood moved, Maybe. moved to, to, to Missouri, Missouri. On, on his road trip. Was Elwood um, Belushi, or was that um, uh, Ackroyd? I don't uh, know. I think I think it was Belushi, but I—that's a fifty-fifty guess. Because it, it, it was Jake and Elwood, right? Wasn't that, wasn't that their names? Yeah, I'm just trying um, to think of the the, yeah. the tattoos on maybe, their hands. Maybe it was Ackroyd then. If it was, I don't know. Who knows? I think it was Ackroyd. It was Ackroyd. It was Ackroyd. Was. Okay. Yeah. I just looked it up. So this. Okay. And right. and you've got a he's got another name for you too. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I just saw that right now. Uh, hello, Big Al, Miss Andy, and Cousin Eddie. I mean, Joe. Where the hell's Cousin Eddie coming from? I don't know. I'm going to come to his house with a trailer, I mean, with a with RV. <laughs> you should, <laughs> right? Dump, dump my RV, right? He's right. Um, you got to show up at Christmas with no presents exactly. for the kids? Yeah. Well, my, I might give him a nice white pair of shoes <laughs> real potato ketchup Betty. nothing but the best <laughs> he's still well, apparently you are cousin, cousin eddie he uh he still liked that turkey even though it was overdone i do remember that exploded and they were all eating the bones <laughs> <laughs> oh a little dry little dry uh all right um i have a question for you and i will try to give you as much detail as i can all I ask is that you shorten it up or word it a little better if you use it on the podcast, which I hope you do. Well, there, Elwood. I, I don't um, think we did. We're not shorting this thing up, and we're, I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. <laughs> um, and we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to do it together. All right. On January 1st, 2021, my company will be stopping our current pension plan and offering the lump sum pay of which I will take. So he's taking the lump sum okay. versus the annuity, which would be an income stream. Got I don't it. know the exact number, but let's just assume 300 grand. I will have a transfer to my IRA and keep making contributions. 
one question is when I do finalize, um, okay, when I, one question is when I do have this finalized in the IRA, can I then make the $6,000 contribution for 21 um, on top of it? Yes, of course. Okay, so that's the, the, the question is, is he's going to roll the lump sum into an IRA? Um, and so, since the lump sum is $300,000, um, Elwood here is curious if he can still continue to make his annual contribution into the IRA, or does the lump sum count as a contribution amount? Yes, and, and it doesn't. So you're right. So you can go ahead and make that uh, $6,000 contribution and uh, the, the, the uh, lump sum payout will be in 2021. So you can do the IRA contribution for 2021. Yes. And then so you can make the 2020 contribution as well in April, um, all the way to April of next year. Yeah, which I think is his next point. Um, so he could do both. He, he can, can do the 2020, 2021, he can do, April he can, of next year and yeah. do the $300,000 roll from the, the divine benefit plan into the IRA. Yeah, exactly. Which is a good idea. I agree. All right. Here's the other part of this. I also have a Roth IRA open five years ago. Am I able to make this transfer into the traditional IRA, uh, but then have some of it transferred to the Roth IRA? I understand I would have to pay taxes on this amount, but is it possible? And if so, am I able to take the money from the Roth, let's say a month la later for whatever? Uh, all right, so he's got a Roth IRA. He's concerned about the five-year clock. And so what the five-year rule is on a Roth IRA is that you, the, the, the money that you put in a Roth IRA has FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out. So the dollars that he's made as contributions can be pulled out. The five-year clock really has to do with 59 and a half. So I don't know how old Elwood Blues is, uh, but if he's using the Blues Brothers and um, Cousin Eddie. Well, he's probably under 50 because he's using a $6,000 contribution. He says, if, you, if you read a little further down, he says he's age 44 oh, he married, gross income 125K. Thank you, Andy. Somebody's got to read them. I suppose we could have probably been prepared and read the whole email before we go live on this. Um, so, um, so no, he's 44. So the, the 59, he could take contributions only. Um, so just FYI, he wants to do a conversion of this money. He can do a conversion of the money, but no, he can't have access to the converted money for five years. So if you convert under 59 and a half, you have a five-year clock on each of the conversion dollar until you turn 59 and a half. So they don't want you to convert and then take money out the next year because then that avoids the 10% early withdrawal penalty. So they want you to season the money in the Roth from a conversion for five years. Um, your contributions are available right away. The growth on the Roth IRA dollars is five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So if you do a conversion and you need the money, you have to wait five years until you're 49 to take the converted dollars, right? And then you got to wait till 59 and a half to take the earnings out. Yeah, that's right. But let's just say you've done $40,000 in prior contributions. He's got access to that. You can take that anytime. In fact, as soon as you do a contribution, you can take it out the next day, no problem, any age. It's just that conversion, you gotta wait five years. And then the, the income part, uh, as you said, Joe, 59 and a half. Okay, um, if this is possible, could you please go over these steps with some detail how to make this happen? I kinda pay the taxes when putting them on in the Roth. Can you transfer any amount into the Roth if you're willing to pay the taxes on it? Yes. So any dollar, you could, the, the, the conversion amount is unlimited. So let's say the $300,000 you get from your lump sum, you roll that into the IRA, you make another $12,000 contribution on top of that. Um, and then you want to do a Roth IRA conversion. You can do the conversion um, up to any dollar amount. Uh, just know that the taxes will be owed the next year. Uh, you don't want to withhold taxes from doing a Roth conversion, especially when you're under 59 and a half because you're 44. If you, if you withhold taxes by doing a conversion, for instance, you convert $100,000 and withhold 20% or $20,000 to pay the tax. Well, that $20,000 is also going to be assessed a 10% penalty because that doesn't qualify as a legal distribution, if you will, or a qualified distribution 
uh, from a retirement account because you're taking that out to pay taxes on a conversion. So yeah, so um, you pay you pay tax on the twenty thousand plus a penalty on the twenty thousand both. Yeah, and federal and state. So that's a huge blow up. So you got to be really careful about how you do these conversions. We've seen a lot of different mistakes throughout the years. Uh, so you want to do a straight conversion and then just pay the tax outside. So if you're willing to pay the tax, then by all means, go for it. But if but what confuses me, I guess, with um, Elwood Blues here is that he wants to make $12,000 contributions to IRAs. Um, maybe he does the $12,000 to Roth IRAs. Yeah, so I was just thinking the same thing. That'd be much smarter and do a smaller conversion. That way you have access to that $12,000 if you need it, if something happens. Uh, so current age... 44 married, my gross income 125. So gross income, depending on, yeah, with that type of income too, I'd do Roth IRA. Yeah, me too. Wife substitute teacher, maybe $10,000. I do have a 401k at work that I started maxing out about three years ago. Pension bio could be around 300K. Uh, but uh, he's got 235 in a traditional IRA. Uh, the remaining into the Roth IRA minus taxes. When can I have access to the money in the Roth? So he's saying the pension. Uh, oh, buyout, so three hundred thousand put two thirty five into the traditional IRA, put the remaining in the Roth IRA minus taxes. No, don't do that, Elwood. You're gonna blow yourself up, brother. Um, even though you're calling me cousin Eddie, I just saved you probably like thirty thousand dollars in unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, tax. agreed. You know, I don't know about uh, Missouri taxes, but uh, in California, if you were to do this, you'd pay the federal and state tax plus penalty to feds and penalty to state. For a lot of people, it comes out to about 50% in taxes when you add all those together. It's just a complete waste of money. Yeah, you'll blow yourself up. Do not withhold taxes by doing this. Say, all right, well here, with this $300,000, put I'm gonna put $235,000 in this, and then, oh, withhold some taxes, and then put the rest in the, the Roth IRA. No. The, the, absolutely not. That will because the withholdings is what's going to blow you up, and then the next year you're going to have penalties and the pay tax upon the tax. I mean, it it, it would be a nightmare. You know, we we in in almost all cases don't want people to withhold on a Roth conversion, but especially when you're under fifty nine and a half, it makes virtually no sense. Virtually yes, zero sense. Um, so put everything into the IRA, right? And then you take a look at one twenty five. He's got room. He's got fifty thousand dollars of room if he wanted to do a fifty thousand dollar conversion in that twenty two percent tax bracket. So then convert fifty grand and just know you're going to owe ten thousand dollars right next April by doing the fifty thousand dollar conversion. So you want to make sure that you have ten thousand dollars or something like that of liquid cash flow yeah. to do it or change your withholdings. Or something like that. Yeah. So here's a if thought. If that tax bite is too high, then you'd probably do something lower, right? Here's a thought. Why not? Instead of making the Roth contribution, just keep that money for the taxes. You're paying the taxes with that same money. You're you're getting fifty grand in instead of twelve grand. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, you got twelve thousand dollars right now that you were going to put in IRAs. Keep the twelve thousand dollars in cash, and convert fifty thousand dollars. Take the $12,000 that you were going to put in the watch, just pay that to the IRS to get the 50000 in. Now you use that same twelve grand to get fifty in. I like, yes. I like the math better. Yeah, you're leveraging the, yeah. the taxes. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Um, okay, so I hope this makes some sense. And I would be there. A lot of people that might run out um, with companies getting away of their pensions. I think that was bet. That I was have bet. no idea. I would. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was a little buzzed. When he wrote this email to us, doesn't Elwood like to sip on the little candy sauce? Yeah, is that what Missouri has? Well, I don't know. I could go for some candy <laughs> sauce right now. Hey, Elwood, if you haven't yet downloaded our guide to the five-year rules for Roth IRA withdrawals, do it now. It lays out the confusing five-year Roth clocks and tells you what you can and can't do in an easy-to-read format based on your age and circumstances. Then pass that guide on to someone else and tell them you got this great information from Joe and Big Al and that they really should subscribe to the Your Money, Your Wealth podcast. To download the five-year Roth clock guide, click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at Your Money, Your Wealth com and click the banner that says the five-year rules for Roth IRA withdrawals. If you've still got questions, that's perfectly understandable. Click the banner that says Ask Joe and Al on air and send in your questions in a voice message or an email. Uh, we got Tim. He writes in from San Diego, Al. Okay, let's hear it. He goes, hi, Joe and Big Al. The last response I heard from you regarding rollover caused me some concern. Mm. Maybe I just misheard it. I transferred a portion of my TSP IRA to my bank 
and the next day took a check to the custodian of my Roth. Did I hear correct that the IRS may consider that I touched the funds and get some sort of big penalty, even though I put the funds into my Roth in much less than 60 days? Some history. For 2018, I did an electronic transfer from my TSP to my Roth late in the year around September, but the TSP would not withhold taxes, so the IRS sent me a penalty bill, which I appealed in one. For 2019, I thought, ah, lesson learned, and I had the TSP transfer enough to stay within the 24% tax bracket to my bank. TSP withheld taxes, then I took a check to put the after-tax remainder in my Roth in less than 60 days. Sorry for the lengthy question. I enjoy the TV and webcast. Okay. Um, so TSP has some funky rules in regards to distributions from the overall TSP. And what Tim is doing is a 60-day rollover in regards to the TSP. But I have no idea how old he is, and I'm not sure why he's doing it this way. Because the TSP won't go to the Roth component of it. So he's saying, all right, I'm just going to take a distribution, and I'm going to roll it back within 60 days, but he's withholding taxes. Right. So he has to get other money to make it whole. So I, I actually think this works. Yeah, it's fine. But if he doesn't, it, but why he's, he's withholding taxes to pay for the conversion, but now he's got to pay the IRA back to make him whole. And if he's under 59 and a half, he's going to get a 10% penalty. Yeah, that would be true. So, and taxable. Yeah, and taxable. Yeah, so taxable he's doing a conversion, penalty. and he's withholding twenty four percent from the with with the conversion. So as, as, so he's let's just say a hundred thousand, roughly twenty four thousand. He's withholding. Yeah. Okay. Seventy six thousand dollars is what he's putting into the Roth IRA, even though he took a distribution on a hundred thousand. Right. If he's under fifty nine and a half, right. So he's rolling the $76,000 back into the Roth within the 60-day period, which he can do. Right. But he's then withholding taxes on the conversion, and then if he's under 59 and a half, that 24 grand's got a 10% penalty. But don't you think it doesn't because he got the whole amount back into the He's Roth. not putting the whole amount. He's not putting 100000 into the Roth. That's how I read it. He, I think he's using other money to put that put the whole amount back into the Roth. And that would be okay. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that. Well, let's just pretend, just humor me. Okay, all right. If he was. If but he why, would, why would he withhold taxes, though? Well, don't you have to out of a TSP? On a withdrawal? Good point. Like a 401k? So I think that's what he's doing. He's nodding, by the way, for the listeners who can't see Joe nodding at Al. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so that, that's what I think. I think he's trying to make it whole with other money. And he can't get around the withholding. He tried to get around the withholding the year before, and the IRS got all over him, I guess. Tim, move the money into a, an IRA and then convert the IRA to the Roth. Yeah. But don't withhold taxes on the conversion. Right. Well, I agree with that. Right, because then it doesn't, the, the, the conversion is probably not going to make sense if you're withholding. If you need to pay the tax yeah. from the, from, all right, just all logistics aside, because right. what he's doing is a 60-day rollover into a Roth, and he's, I don't believe he's making the Roth whole. I believe he can't. He doesn't have outside money to pay the tax. Okay, well, that could be. Right. So, so that, but, he, I mean, if whenever you do a conversion, you should have outside money to pay the tax. Right. You're going to have to come up with it somehow. But, but He's paying so, the tax with But, the but I, do, I do agree it's cleaner to go from TSP to IRA because then there's no withholding because that's a direct transfer to, you know, transfer uh, to from one fund to the other and then you could do a Roth conversion obviously there's no withholding and then you just pay the tax when it's due that would be cleaner the 60-day rule I think technically it works but here's the problem is you can only do it once a year and if you did it this year on April 2nd and next year you do it on February 28th it's like you've blown it right, right. so interesting this is where people get into problems. Yeah, I know. They hear they hear snippets, right? And then they start doing stuff. Right. And then they're like, okay, well, I'll show them and I'll work this way around. And Because the other guy totally blew up that we were talking about before. I remember that he one. He took a full yeah. distribution 
And he was like, I don't know what the big deal is. I keep taking these distributions. And he's, and he's trying to do 60-day rollovers, but he did multiple of them that disqualified him. Yeah, because the rule is you can only do one every three, 365 days. days. So in other words, if you do on April 1st, then you have to wait till like April 2nd of the following year to do this, the next one. Right. So this is where, I mean, with the 60-day the rollover, when he's trying to do a conversion, it makes very little sense to me. It, it's just, it's more dangerous. It's I, way I, more dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um. So I'm not sure why he's doing it that way. I'm, I'm guessing he's withholding taxes because he doesn't have outside money to pay the tax. He's paying the tax within the conversion. Yeah. Well, if he's, if he, if he's doing that and, stop. It, and if he's under 59 and a half, st- yes, yeah, stop. Even over 59 and a half, there's not a lot of situations where we recommend that. Unless there's millions. Unless there's millions and you got no other money and you're, and you're going to be in such a high tax bracket. Right. So it, let's say if Tim has got millions in a retirement account in his TSP, yeah, and he's also got a pension of like a hundred and fifty grand, right? And his wife's got another pension of another, you know, yeah. fifty grand. I mean, right? So very high fixed income, right? Super high retirement balances, no other outside assets. Yeah, no non-retirement assets. Then, then I could, and you're and you're over fifty nine and a half. Yeah, so I could see it then, and we have recommended in that situation, but it's it's unusual. Right. Um, we talk about conversions quite a bit, and most people think we're. Right, you're Dr. Roth. Yeah, Mr. that's Roth? yeah, Dr. Roth. That's what my Roth brothers, my my uh, Roth brothers, my wow. church, my fellow church practitioner, or, no parishioner. Is that what you call it? Practi- per, parishioner. You practice church? Yeah, pra- <laughs> I've pra- been practicing for a long time. <laughs> anyway, that's what he calls me, Dr. Roth. Got it. Although he is, um, well, I, no, I won't say anything. Okay. Alrighty, um, we got another one um, about Roth. So this is in regards to excess contributions to a Roth IRA. Richard writes in, um, question on excess contributions to a Roth IRA. If I'm over 59 and a half, do the earnings on my excess contributions to a Roth, will that be taxable? I don't think it should be taxable because it's coming out of the Roth. Yeah, it's taxable. It's excess <laughs> contributions. You put too because much money in. If you weren't allowed to put it in, the earnings are not allowed either. That's why. So that takes care of that. <laughs> this is BS. <laughs> I think you guys are wrong. Yes. So the whole term of excess contribution is, is okay, Richard. It's like you putting in, you know, uh, as a contribution, 50 grand. And letting the fifty grand grow. Yeah, and it should all that growth should be tax free because yeah. it's in a Roth. No, not if the. 50 but the rule grand... is only seven thousand dollar contribution, and you made a fifty thousand dollar contribution. You don't yeah. think that the excess growth is taxable? <laughs> It'd be cool if it could be. I'd all we'd all be doing yeah, a million dollar contribution every year if we had it. Are IRA annual contributions ever going up to seventy five hundred? Preston writes in. Um. Uh, sure. Yeah, the answer is yes. I actually, just for fun, I, I did a little analysis. IRA contributions started in, uh, the limit in 1974. The first year you could do it was $1,500. And it stayed that way to 81. Then it was $2,000 for a long time until 2001. Then it was 3000 4000 5000 5500 6000 started in 2019. The catch-up only started in 2002. So that's, anyway, yeah, it's always going up. Not every year, but over time. Um, yeah, that's kind of an oddball question. Been always waiting my whole entire life to put seventy five hundred dollars in <laughs> versus seven. I want to put eight. Um, all right, cool. Wow, we got a, a Marcus writes in. We haven't heard from Marcus in a while, have we? We, we have not. Tennessee. Well, where do we think t- he was? Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah, that's right. That's Alabama. Him. Yep. Yep. Hello, Joe, Al, Andy. I have a very, very, very important question for Big Al. Big Al, do you think Carol Baskin killed her husband? <laughs> That's reference to Tiger King. Uh, oh, thank you. Honestly, uh, Marcus, I only watched like three episodes and I sort of got bored. So <laughs> I would say she's a little off. So it could be, I'm, but I'm not going to say yes or no. Um, have you seen those signs with uh, Baskin Robbins? It's like no relation to Carol. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Right. Uh, apparently not. All right. Just uh, kidding. Don't have to answer that one. Already um, did. Here's my real question. Could you all explain large cap, mid cap, and small cap? Can a mid cap company eventually become a large cap company? Next, please explain growth and value. 
when does a value stock not become a value stock anymore? I'm trying to logically understand the composition of value funds and why they tend to perform better in the long term. Lastly, how does, let's say, a small cap S&P 600 index fund differ from a small cap S&P 600 value index fund? Uh, they both should contain the same 600 companies, right? Thank you again for an informative, funny, and real podcast. Looking forward to multiple episodes of Your Money, Your Wealth per week. He's yeah, been advocating he's, he, for that for a long time. Yes, I remember that. Well, let's let's start with uh, small cap, mid cap, large cap. Yeah, you can do the, the large cap, mid cap, small one. cap, and I'll do the value and growth. All right. So it, that just refers to the value of the company, which they call capitalization of the company. So in other words, if a company is worth a billion dollars uh, in terms of market value, that's its capitalization. And yeah, so it's just your, the number of shares outstanding times the stock price. Yeah. To figure out the price per share. Yeah. And, and so when you're, when you're thinking of a, of a, I'll, I'll go with a mid cap, a mid cap is generally considered to be $1 billion of, of value capitalization to 5 billion. Although some people um, actually think it's a little bit more, but we'll just go one to five billion. That's mid cap. Large cap is above that. So those are larger companies. Small cap is below that. Very simple. Can one change from one to the other? Sure. As companies grow, they can go from one category to the other. And there are times then uh, these, these funds that get reconstituted like an like a S&P value index type fund. A couple times a year, they may be kicking out funds that grow uh, past the, you know, now they're mid cap. And so they should no longer be in the, in that particular fund. So yeah, that does happen all the time. Okay. So value versus growth real quickly on that. Um, it's, I, I guess there's, there's a few different measures that some people look at to determine what is a value stock versus a growth stock. I think we look at price per book value. Yeah, price to book value. And so what that means is that a company, right, you have, a market value, um, and then you also have a book value. So there are two different values. Uh, what is uh, market value is the perceived value that the, the overall market, the stock market, believes that your company's worth. The book value is that what's your inventory? What's yeah, it, what are your assets? What's worth? your assets, yeah. right? You have a balance sheet. I have, you know, desks, computers, and blah, 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 blah. So there's- Yeah, and maybe you have technology that you capitalize, or maybe you bought some other companies, and so you've got that capitalized. So all that stuff added together is your book value, and then you sort of compare that to the, to the market value. So if the market value is lower than the book value, uh, that's a value stock. If it's higher, it is a growth stock. Yeah, that's oversimplification, but that gives you the idea, right? And so another way to think about this is a value company is, is one that the stock price is beaten down for whatever reason. So if everything is liquidated, you know, the, the, the assets themselves are worth more than the overall stock price yeah. that's trading on the exchange. Yeah, and if you think about it like a value stock, it's, uh, that's like a stock on sale. And that's where Warren Buffett likes to make his money. He buys value stocks when they're on sale. He doesn't like to pay full price or excess price. So um, that's why you will see over time, and this is not true in all cases in all time frames, as we've experienced value stocks have underperformed growth stocks. Um, but over a longer period of time, value stocks will all perform growth just because there's more risk associated with those types of companies and you're compensated for that risk. Yeah, there, there's a reason why the stock price is lower. So it's more, it's more risky to invest in that company. Hopefully it does a big turnaround. And interestingly enough, because the stock prices are cheaper, if you, if you look at a basket or an index fund that has a whole bunch of companies, they tend to outperform over the long term. But you're right. I mean, we've had five, six, seven years straight where that's not been true. Growth stocks have outperformed. But over the long term, value stocks, because there's more risk, perform better. And so there's called mean reversion. So what that means is, let's say you have a company that is doing poorly or an industry that's doing poorly, right? So what happens with that industry is that all of a sudden, a lot of the companies that are in that industry go out of business, and then all of that business goes to the, the strong that survive. And what do you think happens to that stock price over time? It goes up because, right, it, it, it made it past everything, all the BS. But everything is true on the other side, too. So if there's a, a, a certain industry that is gaining a lot of interest and people are making a ton of money in a certain area, 
what happens? There create more competition. As more competition is created, what happens to that stock price? It will go down. So that's why we believe in indexing um, just so you're buying all the companies because it's very difficult to, to determine, right, who's going to make it and who's not. Like airlines, who, who would have predicted the pandemic? And then all of a sudden you look at, all right, well, is American Airlines, are they going to make it through? Is, if there was no government bailouts, who knows? Right. right? Alaskan Airlines, Spirit, sure. you know, who knows what, what, what the fallout is going to be. And then so to go back to your S&P 500 value index, versus growth in um, index, is it the same companies? It could, but it's how that index or how that ETF, and I'm not sure if he's looking at an index fund or an ETF. Well, he says index, but you know, I don't know. He, he, says, he says small cap S&P 600 and a small cap S&P 600 value index funds. Aren't they the same 600? It, it, uh, you know, to, to be honest with you, they could, but I doubt it. I doubt it too, because the one I think the one is going to have all value funds, and the other one is probably going to have some growth in it. I'm still think it's not going to have all value. I think it's still going to be tilted. It's maybe tilted, built, and then maybe, it's going to look at the market cap of the overall right yeah, of, 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 the, the, of of those companies, and that's how they're going to construct the ETF or the or the yeah. Or and the you, you'd have to go to the specific index or fund because everyone's going to be a little bit different. So. Um, but there's your elementary version of value versus growth and large versus small. Uh, good to hear from you again, Marcus. Um, hopefully that answers your question. Keep them coming. Um, always like to, Hey, has Marcus joined a webinar? I don't think. Yes, he has. Oh yes. All right. Well, very cool. Register for tomorrow's live YMYW webinar happening at noon Pacific, 3 PM Eastern. Check out our blog post on value stocks versus growth stocks in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, where you'll also find links to previous relevant episodes of YMYW, including a primer on the basics of investing and an explanation on determining the best asset allocation for your retirement portfolio. In other words, how much of those small mid cap and large cap and growth and value stocks you should have in your portfolio. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to access all the free financial resources you've heard mentioned and to read the full transcript of the episode as well, because you know that helps sometimes when you're trying to make sense of Joe and Big Al. Andy writes in. No, I don't. <laughs> Different Andy. Yeah. He goes, hey, folks, hope you are safe and we are exiting the pandemic. Three comments. Hopefully I'm not wrong. Number one, this was an interesting add to the Roth conversion discussions. If your spouse only or if your spouse or you have only IRAs, no steps, no IRAs from old 401ks, 403Bs, mainly non-deductible IRAs. Your exposed balance using the aggregation breakdown may not produce as much of a tax load, especially in a down market. Thus, for me, with some SEPs or unique IRAs, it makes it wiser to convert more of hers versus as her tax load is lower. Okay, did, did you... Follow that? I think he's talking about the uh, aggregation rule and the pro rata rule. And so it sounds like his wife, uh, uh, spouse, has um, has less tax consequence of converting. And yeah, absolutely. Then convert that first. But, the, but here's, let's just make sure that people understand the aggregation and pro rata rule. Sure. And it's not based on couples. IRAs are individual retirement accounts. Yeah. And I think... I think maybe that was kind of a breakthrough for him. He didn't realize that. So you, each one stands alone for purposes of this rule. So let's say Andy has IRAs that are all non-deductible. And so he was like, you know what? What I found interesting is that because markets went down, my account balance went down, but I still have the non-deductible contributions. Mm -hmm. So if I did the conversion... Let's say he did $50,000 of non-deductible IRA contributions and the account balances was worth 60. Yeah. The market went down, now it's worth 52,000. Right. Well, he still has $50,000 of basis, even though it, right? Yeah, there's no change there. So when you convert, now he's only paying tax on 2,000, let's say versus 10. Yeah. So you are absolutely right there, but the aggregation of pro rata rules from a non-deductible standpoint of what's tax and what's not is based on you, Andy, and your spouse. 
Yeah, so separately. It, it, separately. So let's say the Andy's spouse has all SEP or pre-tax dollars. Andy has all you know basis in his or her retirement account. You know, it, don't aggregate the two spouses together. Just separate them, and I think um, your math will turn out pretty. So good. I'm agreeing with that comment. Because it, but does it? It makes it wiser <laughs> to convert more of hers first as her tax load is lower. So whichever spouse, whether it's you or her. But why is, oh, okay, yeah, so. Well, well, he started by saying if your spouse or you, that's why it got confusing. Which one is it? <laughs> if your spouse or you, maybe Andy doesn't have any. <laughs> but maybe. then he goes, no SEPs, no IRAs from old 401k, 403b, mainly non-deductible IRAs, okay? Yeah. Your exposed balance using the aggregation break, uh, breakdown may not produce as much of a tax load, especially in the down market. Thus, for me, with some SEPs or unique IRAs, I don't know what a unique IRA is. I guess he's saying SEP is a unique IRA. Or you, okay. So it still counts as okay, an IRA. Okay, so the spouse has the non deductible IRAs. That's and or, he, or, or a 401k right. or a 403b. So, 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 yes, convert that first. First. Yes. That's why. Okay, we got that. Oh, God, if the, the next two are like this, it's going to be painful. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, maintaining your funds in an old 401 can be benefit with ERISA protection for some specialties. Of course, this assumes satisfactory investment options and fee. Some states do allow lawsuits to tap IRAs in certain values. Um, okay, you, you know, we don't talk about this enough. And there was a comment, I think, in our webinar too, or maybe it was maybe one of my webinars that I did or something like that it was like really good content, but you're missing some protection laws. Right, right. So 401ks and IRAs, right? In regard in, in, into there's ERISA protection. So if he gets sued. So there's two different types of protections. One if he gets sued and then one if you file bankrupt. Yeah, and they're two different things. Two different things. Um, so retirement accounts are protected under bankruptcy. Um, so if you rolled a 401k into an IRA, you still have the same protections up to a couple million bucks. Yeah. And if you have an IRA that was originally an IRA in California, it's a little under 1.4 million that you get protection on. That's on bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Only. So 401k, you roll into an IRA, it still follows that. Yeah. See, that, that, that protection rule from 401k dollars. Yeah. So we're, we're talking bankruptcy now. If you get sued because you ran over someone's dog. Or like, as he says, certain specialties, certain professions, are you're more likely to be sued. You know, like a doctor, for example. Sure. Or CPA. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and so then it's a different answer, right? With the ERISA plans, you get, the, you get protection. IRAs, you don't. Depending on the state. Depending upon the state. And, and basically, as I understand it, I am not an attorney. So take this for what it's worth. Um, my understanding is the courts will determine what's fair in terms of how to divvy that up in a judgment. Yes. And it's complicated. Yeah, right. So. And it's not, it's not, you know, it could be anything, right? So you're, there, is a, there is a danger. Yeah, there. There's a risk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. My understanding is that, one, some banks will use your funds to produce a steady drawdown, and two, some mutual fund families or 401k sponsors will coordinate RMD distributions, which allow you an income stream without losing them into an annuity product, which is lost when you or your spouse passes. Thus, when your only wild card be isolated IRAs with individual RMDs, couldn't you just consolidate these to ease RMDs? Yes, consolidate to ease the required minimum distributions. If you have multiple IRAs, you can take one required minimum distribution and satisfy the required minimum distribution just out of one IRA from multiple. If you do have multiple accounts, such as a 401k, you know, let's say you have three 401ks and an IRA, you're going to have to take required minimum distributions out of each of those different accounts. Um, yeah, and I think that that's confusing to a lot of folks. So IRAs, no matter how many you have, you can pretend they're one account, take an RMD from one account. 401ks, 403bs, that sort of thing, got to take an RMD from every single one you have. So if you, if, you base, if you had six employers and you kept all those 401ks, 403bs, you have to take an RMD out of each one. So it's a good idea to consolidate those at some point. So 
I'm not sure why he's saying some banks will use your funds to produce a steady drawdown. I don't know what that means either, because he's he's suggesting if you don't take enough out, then the bank's going to put into annuity. I've never heard of such a thing. Right? Is that how you read that? Yeah. You know, some unless he's still talking about um, protection because of, of the overall retirement account, because it's still going to be state by state. And are they looking at what, what, what income that, yeah. that retirement account produces? Maybe, but he's, he's, he specifically says that with it puts him putting them into an annuity product. Well, I guess if you convert your IRA to an annuity, that's an income stream versus an asset. Yeah. So some people try to skirt certain things, right? Because you've got asset laws and income laws. And so you can't, um, so I don't know what, what he's really asking there. I'm not sure either. We don't know what state to so we, we can't, every state's a little different. Yeah, that's why it's, it's imperative you let us know where you're calling from, folks. Because we can just... And, and if you're from California, we can help you. And if you're not, we'll just do our best. Your insight and comments make this subject easier to understand. My wife now takes her walk listening to podcasts. But it doesn't really say our podcast. <laughs> so she gets more familiar with financial terms. Essentially, when I wax on, it's not Greek to her. <laughs> Wash your hands frequently and don't touch your face. But what the hell is Andy doing with his wife when I wax on? <laughs> when that he goes on and talking. on about finance, his wife actually understands better because she listens to this podcast is what he's saying. Oh, wax on? Yes. Okay. Uh, thinking about <laughs> something else. I wasn't, I didn't know it was like Waxing you're going on philosophical, and you know? No. Yeah, it's, no. Uh, that's how I, that's how I, If I've ever said wax on, it's not that I'm talking a lot. <laughs> I'm using, you know, like well, maybe the Mr. Miyagi. That's probably a... Wax on, wax off. Maybe that's slang for wherever Andy lives. Yeah. So keep waxing on. And she could get familiar. Uh, it, because the way he writes, man, I feel bad. She needs to listen to this podcast <laughs> because if he talks like he writes... He'll probably have a better understanding of you because her husband is kind of talking in circles like you do. I'm not talking. The reason why people say I'm talking in circles is because I'm reading verbatim of what the hell they're writing to us. Right, Joe. And your answers are solid. Dude, read this. Did you just say dude? You got me all fired up. I was waxing on. I'm going to start using that. Just, oh, it's yeah. just Joe waxing on again. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm waxing on. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. I'm waxing it up. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Wax on. Well, wax on a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. That, we could have a whole new dialogue here. Oh, God. I'm sweating now. Stick around for that big old derail I mentioned. That is if you don't mind giving up four minutes and 23 seconds of your life that you'll never get back. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free financial assessment video conference with a certified financial planner from Pure. There's no cost and no obligation. It's just a deeper dive into your financial situation to make sure you're on track and to help you make some money-saving moves for your future. Schedule that free financial assessment by visiting yourmoneyyourwealth.com or calling 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Sign up for that webinar. Arizona's more open than California. Oh, Arizona never shipped out. Yeah, I don't about. think so, right? <laughs> I can get a haircut even if I want. <laughs> you, you did a really good job yourself. Yeah, it's... it's Had to go to Arizona to get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I read some some dude like drove 600 miles for a haircut. Oh, is that right? Like, Was it on. you? Clickbait. No, he's Still. got uh, his barber shop. Yeah. yeah.
Um, How's that doing, by the way? It's, uh, it's close. COVID. <laughs> we're done. Cash flow. COVIDed. <laughs> we're, we're, we're done. PPP uh, loan. Yep. Put, put a little fork in um, <laughs> that endeavor. Uh, yeah, basically kind of. Um, that well, my partner's a barber. Yeah. yeah. So he's not very fiscally um, right. responsible. Yeah. I'm not saying that all barbers are not fiscally responsible, but. What I liked about that shop was you got a beer when you're getting your hair cut. Yeah, you got a beer. That was kind of cool. some Jameson or something? Yeah. Very easy. Very cool. <laughs> um, yeah, because you needed to get real buzzed. Because <laughs> these guys would just butcher the hell out of their hair. <laughs> you wouldn't complain so much. <laughs> oh, it looks fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, we would do a thing, or not me, because I'm, I'm, I'm not cutting the hair. But they would not, you know, if you go to like a normal barber, there's, yeah. a, there's a mirror. Yeah. No mirror. You can no see mirror. What, what, yeah, what they're doing. No, they flip you around. So you can't see. You can't see. They don't want you to see. And then at the end, it's, it's, it's like, a big oh. reveal. <laughs> and then so some people would be like, "Oh, awesome!" And then others would be like, "Oh, boy. that's not that's what they told we you." Gave beer and Jamal. Got it. <laughs> Makes sense. Could have got a mirror. Would have been cheaper. Uh, well, we had a mirror, but you just couldn't see yourself in the mirror as they were cutting your hair. I know. You should put one on the other wall so you could see it the other way. Well, I guess you could if you kind of looked. But then you're, 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 they wanted it because you're talking, you're, you're talking to other people that are going to cut. Oh, you're socializing. Yes, it's kinda, so barbershop. Kind of like a bar. Just be old school. And a barbershop. Yeah, it's old school barbershop. Yeah. Right? Try to get a little shoe shine in there. So Got it. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's gone. That's tough is during COVID, to tell you that. Yeah, it, but, it I mean, is tough. Yeah. So, one of the, my guys is like, man, I can make you know, a few hundred dollars just traveling to cut these people's hair. <laughs> but you gotta, you know, hide in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't you lose your license if you cut hair while you're, while, while this is all happening? I have no idea. And you're not in the barbershop business anymore. I'm not really. He, he just yeah. owns a barbershop. I'm just, I'm, I'm a private <laughs> investor <laughs> of a barbershop that failed miserably. <laughs> Any other questions, Andy? <laughs> nope, I'm set. All right. Um, so we got a couple of minutes to answer this three-part question. Got it. Um, well, I don't, well, how did you hear about the li- whole licensing? And I, that's what my as a private the, investor, I don't need the, to know that stuff. The lady that takes care of my hair told me, I, you know, she said we're not allowed to to see anybody because we will lose our license. So, well, so the lady that works well, you have a perm, and that has a lot of chemicals in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Versus just the. Just, I don't know. I think your hair looks pretty straight to me. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, that's kind of. So, are you gonna get a haircut? Sometime? I don't know. Maybe. I I did such a good job with my wife. Of course, I I can't see the back. I have no idea what's going on. It doesn't look that bad. No it way. Look good. I cut my husband's hair. I took care of his hair, and I'm taking care of my own bangs. And actually, when we did a webinar the other day, my mom was like, "You need to straighten your bangs." I said, "They are straight." She said, "Oh, it looks like you gave yourself a bad haircut." I said, "I did." <laughs> yeah, I think I told you I was up in Idlewild and, and I started doing shade doing the sides with the razor and Adam was going, Oh my god, you're doing way too much. And I go, it's okay. But like then a razor, what do you mean? Like clippers? So, yeah, clippers. Okay, yeah, clippers, right. yeah. Um yeah, a razor. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was shaving it down. No, I, I I think I used like a seven, but a little guard? Yeah, a little guard, but it seemed like it was cutting about a two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then, anyway, so she started doing the top with scissors and was afraid to cut very much. So we didn't get very far. Got it. All right. Well, um, I think we're, we'll get we're, back to the question later. Yeah, we're slowly opening up. Yeah. Uh, so which is getting 